Welcome to Fronteras, a program that explores issues at the border and beyond through the lens of arts, culture, and history. I'm Norma Martinez with Texas Public Radio in San Antonio. Colonization of the New World centuries ago changed how we eat today. The vegetables, fruits, and game meat common to diets pre-contact were over time transformed for the better or worse. Pork and cattle became predominant sources for meat. Corn was usurped by flour. Traditional indigenous foods varied from region to region, and we're focusing today on the cuisine of Texas, specifically South Texas. Texas Public Radio hosted a great essay event on November 8, 2023, to discuss the Native American influence on the foods we love. I moderated that discussion. Our guests were Chef Rebel Mariposa, a San Antonio native and founder of La Botanica, the first vegan restaurant in Texas to open with a full bar and venue. The restaurant closed in 2020 due to the pandemic. We're also joined by Adan Medrano, a chef, writer, and filmmaker born in San Antonio. His books include Don't Count the Tortillas and Real Texas Mexican, which is also the name of his 2021 acclaimed documentary. We talk with Christine Ortega, a San Antonio native and businesswoman who created cultural programming on public television and served on the national board for the Smithsonian Latino Center in Washington, D.C. And we were joined by Ramon Juan Vasquez, member of the Tapilam Coahuilteca Nation and executive director for the American Indians in Texas at the Spanish Colonial Missions. The panel starts with an acknowledgement by Vasquez. At this moment, I'd like to ask us to think about and acknowledge this place known as Yanawana, the traditional homelands of many Native American people who are called Coahuitecans by Spanish records. Over 200 tribes, bands, and clans are documented historically, which include Payaya, Paguame, Jarame, Pampoa, Borado, Tilihai, Pastilla, Papanac, Pacoan, as well as many other Aboriginal people, such as the Carizo Comecrudo, who continue to carry the traditional life ways. We acknowledge these various indigenous communities as the traditional people of this land, now called San Antonio, Texas. We acknowledge this homeland that would later include Comanches and Lipan Apaches as a place that is now home to nearly 65,000 urban Indians spanning from tribes across North, Central, and South America who continue to sustain the traditional languages and customs. And we acknowledge the resiliency, tenacity, and ability of Native Americans to survive, heal, and thrive, despite the systemic oppression they have faced, and commit to celebrating their successes. I also would ask you to take a moment and acknowledge our murdered and missing Indigenous women. Thank you, Ramon. San Antonio, as you might or might not know, is a creative city of gastronomy. UNESCO uh, gave San Antonio that designation in 2017. Very prestigious title that we carry here. Uh, and this talk on Native American influence on the cuisine of South Texas is the fourth of a series 
of cuisine-related, South Texas-related programs we've had here. Uh, we had one on Tex-Mex. We had one on the Black influence of cuisine on South Texas, Polish influences on the cuisine of South Texas, and and now we have the Native American influence on uh, the cuisine of South Texas. And uh, we hope to even expand the series further next year. So thank you for your support of, of these series by, by coming today. This is Native American... Heritage Month in the United States, and uh, maybe you've been hearing the uh, Native American Heritage Moments uh, that we've been airing on TPR. Some other stations are also carrying it as well. And we worked with Ramon and the American Indians uh, in Texas uh, for helping out with that. So we are hoping to continue to broaden this conversation from cuisine and history and educate ourselves. I know that uh, you know I don't come in here knowing everything, and I'm hoping that you're also here open to knowledge and perhaps a, another way of thinking about uh, the food that we eat and the place where we are. So what I wanted to start off with, and I think it's appropriate that Adan here is sitting to my left, and uh, let's talk about what indigenous food is not. It's not Tex-Mex. And Adan, we've had you on Frontera several times, and we've had you talking about Texas Mexican cooking. Can you tell us a little bit about that approach to viewing the cuisine of our region in that different manner than we do approach maybe Mexican food or Tex-Mex here? That's a really big question, and uh, I'd like to say that when I was uh, in high school here in San Antonio, uh, growing up, you know, with my mom, we had carne guisada, arroz con pollo, we had uh, caldo de res, caldo de verduras, and then when I went to high school, um, I was in a more Anglo environment, and we started going to places that were called Tex-Mex, and that was lots of cheese on the plate, lots of high fat, and tostadas with with lots of frying, and I I knew that that was not the food I had at home, but it was so much the word of the day because Anglo writers controlled the presses. That was the only term that existed for the Mexican food of Texas, and so I thought that my food was Tex-Mex, and uh, I come across a lot of uh, younger Mexican American people, fewer now, who say my food is Tex-Mex. And by that, they mean the food that they have at home. But then you take them to this place of Tex-Mex food, which is cheese enchiladas with with an over amount of cheese and everything fried, everything with sour cream. And it does not remind them of home. And so we need a new term. Our vocabulary was taken away because we do not control publication centers, nor were we the writers. It's a very strong uh, uh, genre, so that's fine, but that is not my food. And so I am a Native American Coahuiltecan, but I did not claim that until about 20 years ago, 25, 30 years ago. And so I think we're in the, in, in the beginning of understanding that we are not Tex-Mex. That's a label that was given to us by Tex-Mex writers, and that we are in the process of evolving ourselves. We are becoming... And the last thing I want to say, this is a very long answer, but the last thing I want to say is our, okay. food, <laughs> our food is, is a long continuation today of the first people to step on Texas soil. We are that tradition, roasting, using chiles, using mesquite, and it was all created by women. And so um, this is our food. Yeah, so I want to follow up on that because one of the things when I came back from university 
was trying to understand who I am, right? Here I go away to university, get this degree, learn about what um, is to be an American, right? And then I come back to my home where I'm, I know I'm loved and I'm cared for and I care about community and we are nowhere on that landscape. And so what I continue to learn and evolve into is the understanding of words. Words define, they refine, but they also confine and so what's more important, I think, when it comes to our food and our culture is, yes, understanding how things are labeled and what those labels mean, but then to understand where those labels come from. Like Adan just said, those labels of Tex-Mex were those that are imposed. And so my journey has always been to figure out where do I feel connected, understand it, and then just just have a stake in it, just preserve it, just say, this is what it is. People can call it different things, but you know it when you see it. It's like, like Adan was saying earlier, when you have an authentic comida casera, homemade food, you know the difference between that and a food that is kind of copied. So the words sometimes confine us in a way that just contain who we are, what we do and how we do it. And we need to constantly be breaking through and saying, that's not it. I think you also bring up a good point, um, about connection. I think what indigenous food is not is disconnected. If you can have all the ingredient, you know, native ingredients, but if you're not really connected to the land and connected to your culture and connected to your community, are you really cooking in an indigenous native way? Or if you're not trying to save the planet, if you're not trying to make sure that all indigenous people around the world are free, are you really, you know, but you're making mesquita cookies, you know, but you're disconnected, you know? So I think that that's also really important. It's not just, are you using certain ingredients? It's, are you connected? Are you embodied? Are you thinking about the planet and how you affect, how you're affecting yourself and others and how that ripples out? You're listening to a great SA panel hosted by Texas Public Radio on November 8th, 2023. You just heard from panelists, chef and activist Rebel Mariposa, businesswoman and community engagement strategist Christine Ortega, chef, writer and filmmaker Adan Medrano, and Ramon Vasquez, executive director for the American Indians in Texas at the Spanish Colonial Missions. We're talking about the Native American influence on South Texas cuisine. When we come back, indigenous women kept and keep traditional foodways alive centuries after colonization. Women have narrated our identity by cooking with indigenous ingredients, with indigenous flavor profiles, and have reminded us and and said to us by eating, this is you, and it makes our community stronger. The conversation continues next on Fronteras. Welcome back to Fronteras. I'm Norma Martinez with Texas Public Radio in San Antonio. Today, we're airing a panel recorded in November 2023 at the TPR headquarters on the Native American influence on South Texas food. I moderated the panel and talked to guests Rebel Mariposa, a San Antonio chef and activist, businesswoman and community engagement strategist Christine Ortega, chef, writer and filmmaker Adan Medrano, and Ramon Vasquez, executive Executive Director for the American Indians in Texas at the Spanish Colonial Missions. Corn was at the center of the Mesoamerican diet for thousands of years. The region spanned what we now know as Southern Mexico and Central America. That wasn't necessarily the case for the peoples who lived in what is now South Texas. Ramon Vasquez explains. 
Yeah, and I think that's a mistake that a lot of people <clears throat> Broad generalization, make, right? You know, think that corn was a staple uh, here. And, well, obviously corn wasn't a staple here until it was brought through the missionization process. Prior to that, the staples were mesquite. That was the staple here. Pecan, cactus. You know, and it's kind of funny because, you know, it's like everybody now is starting to recognize the importance of indigenous foods. I mean, it's, it's just crazy. 2018, cactus was this, this superfood for Google. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, people are out there, you know, I mean, going crazy for mesquite. It, it's just interesting, you know, how we can uh, just appropriate people's culture, you know, their food. And it's not just that, you know, even, even there's food pre-contact, there's indigenous food pre-contact, and there's food post-contact. So it's not enough that we take the pre-contact food and kind of make it this superfood for everybody now. Uh, but even the post-contact food, um, you know, the barbacoa, not the big red, but the barbacoa, <laughs> you know, the tamales, the... Um, Fajitas, you know, you, you know, people don't understand is all those foods were foods that were left over that the people in our missionization process were given to eat. They didn't get the, the prime meat, right? So they, they knew how to make the best of everything. But you don't hear anybody talk about the origins of those foods. Well, Rebel, um, Christine kind of hinted that you know, food is memory, and we're talking about pre-contact and post-contact. How are we able to hold on to those memories of pre-contact versus post-contact? Um, genetic memory. Hmm. I definitely believe in genetic memory. I believe that that stuff is written in, into our DNA and that it can be conjured up through a smell, through a memory, a song. A drumbeat can bring it up. I, I really believe that these things are in us naturally. They tried really hard. They, I say they, like, you know, to um, colonize us and maybe think, maybe have us go a different way, right? That fits better for capitalism and consumerism. Yet, like we're saying, now all of a sudden it's like, oh, it's a superfood and it's 2023 and people want mesquite and, and, our peoples knew that mesquite was a superfood. They didn't need to label it a superfood, but they knew the science behind it and the the chemical makeup of a nopal and how it could, you know, have all these impacts on our body. It's not that science of it is not just newly discovered. Our ancestors already knew that, you know. So um, that's my answer: genetic memory. Well, Adan, you are the author of Don't Count the Tortilla, Centrally Texas Mexican, and that was made into a documentary that has been showed pretty frequently on, on PBS, and, and maybe some people here have gotten a chance to see it. But can you tell us a little bit about the inspiration to put uh, those stories and those recipes into print and to sharing uh, those stories on film? The inspiration is why... Even though in the public sphere we have been erased, we are still here and our stories are still strong. And that is that if you look at where all of this power, where does the power come from? It comes from the West Side kitchens where our families meet and eat. Over 500 years of colonization, women have narrated our identity by cooking with indigenous ingredients, with indigenous flavor profiles, and have reminded us and 
and said to us by eating, this is you, and it makes our community stronger. So that's why I can write, because I received this from the community. And if you go to any poor, middle-class, upper-class, whatever, Mexican-American family, it is there. And in the seno de la familia, they never took that away. That's how we've become strong. And so I think our voices are our power, our experience. I would like for more publications to have native Mexican-American writers there. And I applaud the Dallas Morning News, who just hired. I applaud San Antonio, who led the way with Edmund Tijerina. Uh, uh, Texas Monthly has no Mexican-American writer of Mexican food. Um, Dallas Morning News will will get someone. So we need more Mexican-American writers because the voice from the experience in the home will tell the truth. We know what it is. Ramon, Adam was saying, we're still here. And that is something that I've heard you say several times. And we also want to point out uh, that when we're talking about Native Americans, it's not just one group. It's like when people group Latinos into one group, it's not just one group. There's a variety. And so I know that's something that's very important to you to point out that they're not all the same. Yeah, I think that's a one of the biggest mistakes that a lot of people make is that you know they um, what if you have one Indian that they're all the same. So if you can address one group's interest, you know you've covered the bases. You know, and I think that that's a big mistake to make because we are also very different. We have different foods, we have different traditions, different histories, and uh, and I think that's just a, a big mistake that we make. But you know, and, but talking about San Antonio, South Texas, you know, I mean. Our history as American Indian people has been forgotten, right? Deliberately erased, and and in some ways the erasure continues. And so, you know, we have to take ownership of how we're going to remind people that we're still here because they're not going to tell us, "Hey, you're still here." We got to remind people we're still here, right? Because they forgot about us. I mean, if you think about if you if you were to hear people talk about San Antonio's history, you would think that when the Spanish arrived that they were greeted by mariachis, right? <laughs> the total disregard of the 10,000-year history of American habitation of San Antonio. And our history has been considered insignificant historically, and it's still considered insignificant today. And that's why it's, it's so important to continue to have these conversations to push back. One of the uh, um, corrections that I'm trying to help academia make is, is to stop referring to our people as the Coahuitecan Kwa- people whose traditional homelands was all of South Texas and northeastern Mexico, which included the states of Coahuila, Nuevo León, and Tamaulipas, to stop referring to us as hunters and gatherers because hunters and gatherers is just a, mother, a modern way of saying savages. Hunters and gatherers was this term that was coined for people who didn't have customs and traditions. And I think what's happening today is because we have new researchers, not new research, but new researchers who are actually taking an interest in our history and, and finding out that there was a level of sophistication among the people here that the Spanish just didn't understand. The cultivation of food, the connections to, it, to the land, to, to the understanding of the celestials, 
And so when people talk about our people as wandering aimlessly, eating grubs, frogs, and dung, is is just a, um, is false. And what we're doing is we're trying to reverse that understanding. And when you go to college, sometimes you learn this information, and we refer to it today as a learned ignorance. And if you know learned ignorance, you know how difficult it is to unlearn ignorance. Ramon Vasquez is a member of the Tapilamco Awilteca Nation and executive director for the American Indians in Texas at the Spanish Colonial Missions. We're also talking today with Chef Rebel Mariposa, a San Antonio native and founder of the vegan restaurant La Botanica. With Adan Medrano, a chef, writer, and filmmaker born in San Antonio. His books include Don't Count the Tortillas and Real Texas Mexican, which is also the name of his 2021 documentary. And we also talked with Christine Ortega, a San Antonio native and businesswoman who served on the national board for the Smithsonian Latino Center in Washington, D.C. You're hearing part of a panel we recorded November 8th, 2023 at the Carlos and Malu Alvarez Theater at the Texas Public Radio headquarters in San Antonio. This great essay conversation on the Native American influence on South Texas cuisine is presented in partnership with the City of San Antonio World Heritage Office. The panel was edited for broadcast. You can find a link to video of the panel discussion at tpr.org. And you can also tune in next week to Fronteras to hear more from this discussion. Thanks for joining us for Fronteras. Fronteras is produced by Norma Martinez and Marianne Navarro. Our executive producer is Dan Katz. Our editor is Fernando Ortiz Jr. Charanga Cakewalk composed our theme music. Hear past episodes at tpr.org and on the Fronteras podcast. I'm Norma Martinez with Texas Public Radio in San Antonio.